0: Hello, welcome back to Judge Movie Season Two, with me, Judge Movie, your film judge, uh, Ben Flanagan, and I'm joined, as ever, uh, by my illustrious cinema attorney,
1: uh, Alicia. Isn't me. Hi, guys. Hello.
0: Hello, welcome back.
1: Uh, Thank you.
0: Welcome back, indeed. Uh, we've got we've had a drought of court cases because there's just been too many good films, as as we talked about in our. Uh, 2018 wrap up episode, um, but we've got something that I think might um, we've got something a little bit more divisive that's come through this t- this last week, um, and that's M Night Shyamalan's new film Glass, uh, the sequel to his his 2000 movie Unbreakable, and that tied with our kind of thinking about the in 1999 in movies has has made us think. That Today's a, a good day, um, Ice Cube style, to uh, take a look at M. Night and uh, kind of work out whether or not he's a, a true artist and an auteur or a dodgy hack.
1: Yeah, uh, this episode is going to be the first in our 99 project where we look back at a 1999 classic and that Cart's legacy and the filmmakers behind it have sort of changed and evolved in the in the intervening 20 years from today because uh, yeah he's been on a bit of a roller coaster people's opinions keep changing of him
0: absolutely but I mean does your opinion change of him
1: oh definitely uh, yeah to prep for this episode I, I I went through his entire filmography and I watched every film over the course of about two weeks. And it was it was intense, yeah, you know
0: it is a roller coaster of a career, and it's and it's all it taken is. place over like less time than you think. feels like he's always been with us, but it's really only been this this century, and I was kind of thinking that he is kind of one of the key filmmakers of of the last two decades, really mm yeah, um and I guess it, obviously, so the the right place to start then has to be the sixth sense. Shaking. Cole, what's wrong? Did you ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what?
1: I see dead people walking around like regular people. I don't see anything. Are you sure they're there? Uh, yeah. So the Sixth Sense released in ninety nine. Um, I think it was like. One of the biggest box office hits of that year, massive, massive hit. Um, yeah, second strange, only to
0: Star Wars, was it?
1: I think pretty much, yeah. Uh, which is weird, you know. It's like a classy horror film. We only get you know one of those every every few decades. Um, it, it was quite a big hit at the Oscars as well, with a lot of nominations.
0: Yeah, it 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 surely epitomises '99 zeitgeist. Uh, Haley Jo Osmit's various. Famous lines. Uh I think we are we gonna go full spoilers for at least up to to the most recent film, I think.
1: I think we have to. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean well we have to talk about the sixth sense twist. And twists are a big part of his career, and maybe almost unfairly. People focus on the twists, but yeah, we could talk about the one in the sixth sense. Come on, that's, I mean, that's twenty you, years.
0: That's probably the first misconception is people seem to think that when you know the twist of an M Night movie, there's nothing else there, and that they kind of fall apart on rewatch. Um, I don't really think that's the case, to be honest.
1: No, uh, I disagree. Yeah, y-
0: you can't watch them every week. There's not that much there. You know that is <laughs> that much there, but um, every time I revisit one, that I find like more stuff in it. Uh, we're gonna get to Lady in the Water, which blimey that's um there's a lot more going on in that one but um yeah i still i think the sixth sense is just such a great economical filmmaking um mm-hmm. f- and it's i don't know the the yeah it does it does re- hinge on this twist but the symbolism that leads up to that is so strong all the way through it's all kind of tied uh visually together isn't it so um so i don't i don't really have a uh a problem with, with with that on a rewatch because it's fun to spot those those things.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's part of what it, to its success is that it does stand up on rewatch, and people wanted to see that, see the see the clues. Um, so that's why they went to the cinema to see it again. Um,
0: so what's that movie about?
1: I mean, there's two main threads really. There's the the film that the Bruce Willis character is in, where he's trying to right his wrong. He's such a hardworking child therapist that he wants to help a young boy who's who's displaying the similar symptoms as a previous young boy who he couldn't help. Um, and then at the end of the movie, he kind of realizes everything he thought he believed was wrong, and he's kind of living in his own his own fantasy world.
0: Yes. And is that so that's the second narrative that you're saying.
1: Uh well I, yeah they think they're kind of parallel it starts and ends with the Bruce Willis character but mm. obviously the main the, the the meat of it throughout the film is the Haley Joel Osment character, um.
0: and it kind of but it's all really seen through Bruce Willis's eyes I can only re- think of maybe two scenes that aren't that don't feature him, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong about that Bruce Willis's uh, M Night gets Bruce really well in realising that he's good at just kind of being there and like watching things happen mm-hmm. and you can kind of live through Bruce without him being too much of this like audience surrogate Um he's just he always he always in the M. Night movies plays a very quiet guy that doesn't not too much of a wisecracker which is what we think of him as through moonlighting and, and Die Hard and stuff he's often put in that role
1: mm-hmm.
0: M. Night Mm, makes him a little bit more internal, doesn't he?
1: Yes, yes, he does. the The in the collaborations, they do bring out that quality, in in Bruce. Mm. I think, yeah, the crux of it, what really runs through as a thread through all of all of his movies, is this sense of belief. So for me, watching it again and and thinking about his new movies, is just that that moment where Bruce Willis realizes that he's he's dead, and just suddenly. Everything like his relationship with his wife kind of changes in meaning. Who he thought, what he thought he was doing with Haley Joel Osment changes in meaning, and Mm. it's really heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it is, Um, and it's also, but also heartbreaking for all the other characters as well, who are all really well drawn. I love. I think Olivia Williams is brilliant in that film. She always Mm -hmm. kind of gets stuck in these sort of like wife roles, uh, Mm -hmm. like side roles, and does like so much with them. Um, Mm -hmm. I really think this is a great great performance um by her i i love the scene where um bruce willis thinks he's going to lunch with her and he kind of makes this massive uh plea to her this like huge speech about uh how he still loves her and she he thinks that she's ignoring him um because yeah
1: because he was late and they're having problems um but yeah
0: yeah um and it, it's just—it's so great how she kind of plays it down the middle. So you get—it works both both ways. It's it's a really really good good role from her. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Hayley Joel Osment kind of was the breakout, right?
1: Mhm. Yeah, he's he's really amazing in it. He's so precise and delicate and vulnerable with the way he speaks. Um,
0: but creepy as well. Let's let's not forget he's creepy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: He's, yeah, he's kind of, uh, I don't know, not subhuman, but he. there is something weird about him, hence why he was then cast as a little Pinocchio robot by Spielberg the next year.
1: Yeah. This is really special, those performances, yeah.
0: How do you feel about Haley Joel now? <laughs>
1: um. I mean, he seems to be having fun. I haven't seen any of his recent work, so I can't really say. Um. Yeah. On his IMDb page, he's got a really big beard, in a bloody photo. Yeah, but, that's, you know, it. that's kind of that's
0: fun. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? He's you know, uh Macaulay Culkin has kind of s- stayed like the Home Alone kid a little bit, I think. And Hayley Charles just like, <laughs> nah, he's just going to be a fat like weird kind of comedian comic actor now. And that's mm, great. Yeah,
1: he's done a lot of comedy work, which is fun.
0: Yeah, like the Entourage movie. Um, and he turns up in a couple of episodes of Comedy Bang Bang. He's always kind of fun to see. Mm.
1: Um,
0: but um, probably the best performance in the whole movie is Tony Collette's, right?
1: Um, I don't know. I think her and Joel work really well together. I'm not going to say one is better than the other. But yeah, yeah. He, she's amazing in it. It's it's really heartbreaking and it's great.
0: Yeah. There's never been a better actor, like a mother actor, um, oh, yeah. you know, than her. Uh, this is one of her most iconic performances, and some of those. I mean, I, I think the whole the whole um, uh, kind of section of the film that's about the little girl that was being poisoned by her parents is like really. That's like the scariest part of the film for me.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yeah, I remember watching that when it came out and literally like feeling ill uh, when the kids like vomiting <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in the tent. That's it's just that's like proper sequence, you know, like. Um, that's the most kind of haunted house that the movie gets, I guess, mm. is that stuff.
1: I just, I was wondering maybe if people don't really remember it as a horror film, but it is really, really scary. The tension just, just, you know, tines the mm. screws until, ah, so oh, it's great.
0: But do you think people actually remember the movie at all? Like, uh, you don't, you, I rarely talk to anyone that's like, oh yeah, I just rewatched The Sixth Sense. Mm. I feel like Unbreakable's kind of become the one that people go back to. We'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So um, yeah, is there anything else to say about uh, Six Sense Because mm. you know it's such a big hit. Same year, Shyamalan's written. She she's all that, and was it, she's yeah. he's wrote she's all that, and he wrote Stuart Little. Mm-hmm. Three like massive hits. <laughs> uh, I feel like his next film was always going to be uh, difficult to kind of live up to those expectations financially mm-hmm. and critically. And I think mm-hmm. Unbreakable, um, I don't know. It feels like it's always been a bit of a critic's darling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where you start to really see that he's a guy that makes films where that hinge on a twist but also don't really have anything they don't have much that happens in them they're all just kind of a vibe they're just a mood piece
1: yes um i do think his early films do have this very very deliberate pacing that's about very slowly turning up the tension um when i was watching unbreakable i was kind of almost frustrated that there hadn't been a sort of climactic action scene Mm -hmm. until like the last 20 minutes of the movie i was like I can't believe my sensibilities yeah. are so out of whack that like I need something exciting to happen. But and, yeah, that, and that
0: climactic it's... action scene isn't even really—that's not even the climax of the whole movie. You know,
1: no, the stakes aren't very high for that scene. Um. it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean um, that's very inter- so, uh, that, that's interesting. So that—that's interesting because uh, obviously that's about a serial killer who's got some children. Uh, that was clearly written now. We can kind of see that, that was written as the James McAvoy split character. Um, what? That was, that, that was the original third act of uh, uh, Unbreakable.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Because, um, yeah. Yeah, I think the idea was to have the two stories kind of running parallel. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, so, Unbreakable is this kind of superhero origin story that begins with a... Crawl that says <laughs> X amount of suit of comics are uh, written every year. Uh, it's one of the most enduring forms of entertainment. There's some weird primer that explains what comic books are.
1: Yeah, and it says that the average comics collector has maybe over three thousand comic books or something. Yeah. Um. Yes, I think. Um. Yeah, I do like this thread running through that the. Unbreakable and Glass about comic book heroes almost like the bible of our times yes um, and yeah it's not really something that's so present in Split but yeah it's, it's definitely something he comes back to in Glass oh massively
0: um, so yeah it, it, in Glass it's, it's kind of for better and, and worse the, uh, the, the, the sort of mythic dialectic about superheroes in comic books isn't it because it's sort of stuff that's that's been covered I think by now it's kind of pretty 2003 stuff Um, in terms of the view of of kind of superheroes yeah I think it does seem quite dated I think that's um, you know even if you look at like the Zack Snyder DC movies that want to look at superheroes as gods and really portray them as that um, Mm -hmm. or you know there was an idea in uh, the Marvel films it kind of seems like ground that's been covered by now and that um, I don't know that he's like moved with the times. So, I, you know, I, I still find it really interesting how it's delivered. But
1: I, I found that quite refreshing. Um, maybe it is an idea that was more explored in the nineties and the early noughties. But I don't know. I found those are the superhero movies that do resonate with me more. Um, it reminded me of the early X Men movies, um, like X Men Two, um, yeah. and just in that kind of the belief in the hero rather than in the high-stakes world-ending, universe-ending sort of politics, it, it kind of know, it resonated with me more. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, that's what's brilliant about all three of those movies, really, is like every time you think it's building to some kind of climactic uh, blockbuster scene, it just doesn't. It kind of left it, you know. And I think that's something that he does, again, throughout his career, is, I mean, how what are the budgets like on even the bigger bloated ones? Well, those later ones, those After Earth and stuff, is is like huge mega budget, and that shows. But you know, he he's always grounded in like people and small stakes, and like like Unbreakable really is about uh, fixing a family, isn't it? It's it's mm-hmm. like not really about the superhero stuff at all. That you could take that out. It's it's watching it again today. I kind of hadn't realised it's just an art movie.
1: Um, I'd be hesitant to to say that anything with a slow pace is an art movie, but um, no, I but guess I think the to whole, things is approaching that vibe. All
0: of the presentation, not just the pace, but I don't know the the whole like tone of it um, is so like interior um, and kind of. Or maybe, maybe I'm just thinking depressing and slow means art, um, <laughs> but like pop art, right? Like
1: I think yeah, that's to me when I was I was watching that. That felt more like a, a comic book thing, or a graphic novel thing with Unbreakable. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, the interiority and in the inner turmoil.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's um, it's a way better movie than I'd remembered. Uh, I suppose we should talk about Samuel L. Jackson in that
1: mm-hmm.
0: reunited with Bruce Willis after uh, Pop Fiction. And were they in another movie together?
1: Yeah, with Die three? Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard Three
0: Yes, of course.
1: Um and I think there are a couple of other movies, but uh those are those are the ones that might I can remember right now. Mm.
0: And uh again Shyamalan really stretches, you know, what we talked about with Willis as as this kind of strong silent type to this to the Sam Jackson's verbose um, you know, the intellect and put pits those against each other. Mm-hmm. Um in a very interesting, I I feel like the glass character is weirdly, um, he's weirdly not there a lot of the time. He, he he's a bit like Nicole Kidman in Eyes Wide Shut. Even when he's off sc- when he's off screen, you're you feel his absence and you feel like he's going to appear out of nowhere. But he doesn't he doesn't dominate it in uh, in the way that a normal villain might. Um,
1: that's because you don't really know he's a villain.
0: Yeah, until the end. I g- Maybe I mean, watching it this time, I was like, "Of course, like <laughs> I, mean, I know, I know," but like, I felt like it was very much set up by the film that that's what what was going on. Okay. Um, I and I, I wonder what someone who's watching it for the first time now, having seen a lot of other comic book films, might think about it mm-hmm. and about that.
1: I wasn't actually crazy about the performances in Unbreakable. I was finding myself a little bit tired of Bruce Willis's sad shtick. Like he does do it quite a lot. Um, I found it really moving in Moonrise Kingdom when he was playing this sort of sad, restrained, uh, stoic kind of guy with, this, with the saddest turn. But I don't know. I'm a little tired of it in this one.
0: In that one. Oh, okay.
1: Um, but Samuel L. Jackson was amazing in Glass. Really. It was it was great. In glass. Yeah.
0: Were you into his glass one? I
1: yeah, I really liked him. I liked him a lot more in glass than Unbreakable.
0: Yeah. He's kinda of the same. it's never been my favourite like I think Sam Jackson's one of the best actors alive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um like he should have should have won like two Oscars in the last ten years for the Tarantino ones. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and they're not even that good movies, but he's just fucking kills them. Um but uh yeah, he's kind of maybe. Do you think he's limited by the dialogue or, or what he's given to do? Or less so in Glass, perhaps. But
1: so your are you're, you're less into his performance in Glass.
0: In both of them, maybe. I don't. I don't really. I don't really feel like he's there that much. I don't feel him like oppressing me. Um, in, in I mean, to me in Glass, like you're next to James McAvoy, so you can't. Like no one can. Do shit when you're with that kind of performance.
1: Um, I I disagree. I think he steps up to it. Um, he kind of brings a mania to the to the performance in the film that we need. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, I did just want to give a shout out to Shyamalan's first couple of movies. So before The Sixth Sense, he uh, made a film called Praying with Anger, where he Writes, produces, directs, and stars as an American Indian. He goes back. To, who goes to India um, on a, on a to study, and he kind of experiences culture clash. Um, and then his next film called Wide Awake was a family film about a young boy who tries to find his faith and tries to find God after his uh, grandfather dies. Um, so they're kind of the pre precursors to Sixth Sense, and people don't really talk about them, but. Uh, um, yeah, th- th- there's, a, there's a part of his work.
0: So uh, where do you think that kind of theme of faith that's throughout those movies, what what do you think about that?
1: Uh, I think it's interesting. I like that. That's kind of what I was almost clinging to through some of the more less pleasant films of, of his I was watching. This kind of like, how does faith figure into this movie? And not just religious faith, but, you know, kind of faith into to your... Your, like belief system of how your world works. Um and also I think finding your purpose is is very, very important thing that runs runs through his movies.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm um, so I was glad to see that theme be quite prominent in glass.
0: Uh yeah that's that's what like glass was all about really mm. um this yeah it's faith versus science and um <laughs> How science is a form of faith and stuff. It's um I don't know, it's heavy handed but it's it's um but it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was reading reviews for Wide Awake and they were criticizing it for being heavy handed. I feel like maybe does the fact that it's explicitly about religion mean it's heavy handed, just because it's not subtext. I mean, would they probably call any film that's just about religion and faith heavy handed.
0: Yeah, like uh, I had friends that like couldn't watch this or or hated the Scorsese film Silence because it was heavy handed about religion (laughs) as in just because it was about religion. Do you know?
1: Yeah, it didn't just put it in subtext. It was literally about it. Um, Yeah,
0: and they didn't like that.
1: I think that does make people uncomfortable. Um, Probably, uh, yeah. But it wants to talk about those things. So it does. Um,
0: Maybe. Why do you think First Reforms got away with it then? Because no one kind of, no one's criticizing it for that.
1: He also talks about environment and capitalism and corporations and stuff. So maybe that keeps it.
0: But that could be just as preachy, right?
1: Yeah. It's true. I don't know.
0: Ethan's just that. You just love Ethan too much. <laughs> like, that we can't... You know, if you cast Ethan Hawke in a movie, you have to overlook any kind of preachiness because you're like, the hippie is here. <laughs> the, the gen x hippie himself
1: <laughs> yeah um i mean people responded quite well to signs i think that is one of his of showman's greatest movies it's one of the ones i like a
0: lot right okay and Yeah. That's... this is probably the right time to move on to signs so
1: yeah i mean that's about mel gibson a is he a, is he a priest yeah a priest or a pastor perhaps yeah who's lost his faith after his wife has died and how he regains his faith through an alien invasion. I mean, Oh God, it's amazing.
0: It's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think this kind of thread of, uh, surveillance is, is, uh, occurs a lot in Shyamalan films. Um, you, it's really there in like the visit and glass and it, and this incredible scene that's like filmed on a handheld camera where the, the thing runs past. It's like the, probably the most famous scene right i i think that's like one of his uh one of Shyamalan's biggest innovations and kind of self-awareness with uh like changing forms and not just using like traditional film kind of grammar um that's a that's a great great sequence Mm -hmm. um and using cgi so well Mm -hmm. um the, I think this is where you get this kind of period with him. Uh, it's like the the expectations are super high.
1: Mm-hmm. At this
0: point, he's being compared to Spielberg and Hitchcock.
1: Yes, yes. the The infamous two thousand two Newsweek cover that called him the next Spielberg. Um, so wrong. It's um, a strange comparison, and it puts so much pressure on him. Uh, I mean, maybe it made the fall inevitable. It's 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 crazy.
0: Yeah, I I read some review of um, it might have been Lady in the Water that said that he was a director that was like Spielberg and Hitchcock because uh, you couldn't wait for the next shot because you knew it would have like you knew it would be such a treat and there'd be so much going on in every single shot and I like I love his style but that's not what he is he's not like this kind of uh, he's not like a flamboyant exuberant. You know, master of the camera in that way. he he's very measured. He puts the camera in one place and like plays with what's in and outside of the space in closer to someone like Ozu, right? Like he's uh, closer to that kind of thing. He's not like go for broke with his visuals. it's mm-hmm. it's it's the stuff that happens in the story that's that's mad. But his style is always like pretty, like I say, it's focused on people and like faces and and reactions and stuff so um
1: absolutely yeah there's a great quote from him where he says uh, everyone talks about the twists but I'd say my stuff is character driven tales focusing on ordinary people dealing with the unknown I like B movies treated as A movies and I feel like that's that's kind of a key thing with him Train. elevated
0: horror yeah <laughs> um, he is but it's not in this, you know it's not like A24 star. You, you couldn't picture him making a horror film of A24 that's all I think Bloomhouse has been like the obviously, Jason Bloom's sage's career, um, and it's a perfect kind of place for him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Small budget, but, like, careful and, like, caring. But then Mm -hmm. I was thinking about um, maybe the other director... Who are the other, you know, directors of genre movies that have come around at the same time as Shyamalan uh, and kind of stayed the course as long as him? Um, and the other person I was thinking of was James Wan, uh, mm-hmm. who started with like Saw, made the Insidious films and, and um, The Conjuring and now got the Aquaman film. Um, he's kind of the only uh, comparable guy to my mind, but he doesn't have uh, like... I
1: mean, you've got the Wachowskis.
0: But the, well, they're genre, but not like horror filmmakers, you know, starting off in like really low budget, like horror kind of... Uh, okay. You know, do you know what I mean? The same kind of vibe. I think Wachowskis are always like. The Wachowskis make A pictures. They don't dress up B pictures as A pictures, I don't think.
1: Okay. I see where you're coming from. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like, even something like Speed Race is not a B movie, is it? Okay. Um, and I guess when they do a B movie, they do Jupiter Ascending? Maybe? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, going off on one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I don't know if... Does James James Wan doesn't have his own style. He doesn't have a thing that's his, right? Like, he's an awesome movie maker. Like, uh, Aquaman aside, I'll, like, check out anything that he does. But um, he ain't got nothing on night. No. Uh, so, yeah. So he kind of enters this period where you have... Uh, signs, the village, Lady in the Water um and the happening uh, kind of this cycle of i don't know
1: <laughs> yes i found it really fascinating going from the signs to the village to um laying in the water um i don't know how deep into twists we're gonna go but with the village it felt like it was really responding to um signs in that it's about i don't know in signs the the belief and the faith that he ultimately finds um, and ha- that kind of everything happens to a reason everything comes together is is like seen as a good thing for for the Mel Gibson character but in the village it's got this kind of very understated criticism of what your beliefs and your your kind of faith in in constructing or following a belief system how far that can go and I think it's kind of criticizing that that idea
0: right um yeah i i, I mean in the, in signs like the the use of twist is um
1: there isn't a twist in science. See, this is the thing: well, every, it's, every it's not every Shyamalan film has a twist.
0: Well, the twist is, uh, is. This is what I'm saying. It's 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 not earth shaking in terms of how you understand the movie. It's just the revelation that aliens can be killed with water, which has been sort of sewn through the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Right, you, you know, and that that's just that's like the key, right? It's, the, like it's the, mis- the mystery is revealed rather than like everything you know is wrong.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's not a twist for that reason, and it does build to that. But I feel like the real crux of everything coming together is everything. It's like his son... uh, Okay, we're going to go deep into spoilers now. It's his son um, surviving the alien gas attack because he has asthma. It's his brother, um, his wife saying that thing about swing away with the baseball bat. It's like everything comes together. It's not just the water. Yeah. Um, And everything, you know, has, has their purpose, which I feel like Lady in the Water um, is, is doing that on a much bigger scale.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think in Signs as well, he kind of, he uses the camera in this way that's like, um, it's as if you're looking for signs, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like so much of it is shot, like, uh, you know, an open door has light coming through it as if it's coming through a window in church. And, you're, you, you know, it kind of puts you in that sort of psychic realm, like where mm-hmm. you're... You, you used to start looking for these signs. Um, but yeah, they're not twists. They're revelations to be biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah. So do you, you think the village is... It's kind of a response specifically to signs or to the whole notion of the Shyamalan thing? Because it seems like um, pretty deep Shyamalan to me.
1: It is i mean i I have trouble telling how critical it is of the the characters in the village, the elders. I'm not sure how critical it is. I think it is, but um it's just kind of another look at what sort of i don't know the the their belief driven by grief, kind of like uh where it puts them
0: yeah, But something something's missing in the village it's the village is like almost a great great movie. Mm-hmm. And it just falls short. Um, and yes,
1: it's one I definitely appreciate more in hindsight, because um, I think people. Um, were you saying you're not a fan of the twist in the village? Uh,
0: I when I when I watched it, I watched it when it came out, so I was probably about eleven or twelve, and I was like so angry, and I was <laughs> I loved like Unbreakable and and Sixth Sense at that point. But I was really annoyed with with the village. I just thought it didn't mean anything, um, and I wanted to rewatch it today. But uh, I had an issue, so um, I couldn't. But so I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I am not i am not i do not feel as angry with it anymore. But I don't know if it like like I said. I, I don't think it comes together too much.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, but you disagree.
1: I don't know. I think it did leave me a little unsatisfied. But I do think. Yeah, maybe if I didn't feel like that, it really pulled off its twist as well. But the idea behind that twist, I just keep coming back to. Um,
0: yeah. And uh, and and this kind of Shyamalan talking about Shyamalan um, reaches its apex with with Lady in the Water, right? Mhm.
1: Um, That's a fascinating film. Really it's fascinating. great. Yeah.
0: It's a good little. It's a good movie. Um. It's, I think the stuff that's annoying in it, it's, it's like a, you've got to be like a quote unquote tourist, haven't you, to, to really buy into it because it's so much like, you know, he's popping off at the critics and he's literally plays the saviour of mankind who writes the best stories um, mm-hmm. and he talks to characters and stuff. But I think it, it understands that like everyone in that, everyone that it sets up is like a stock type Mm-hmm. And how to use it, it's, it almost, I started thinking about like adaptation or something. Yes. You know, it's kind of close to that.
1: I think it does have a lot on its mind. Um, so Lady in the Water is based on a fairy tale that Shyamalan made up for, that he would tell his children. And he turned it into a film and turned it into a book. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is about kind of finding a place in your purpose to, to help everyone. And it's about this sort of disparate apartment building that comes together with Paul Giamatti and everyone goes along with it and it's quite charming and it's, it's so sweet where everything yeah. works out.
0: Um, I think you said it was like a film about community and I think that's, you know, really right. I think it build it, it, it just paints everyone really well. Uh, I think Giamatti just kind of holds the whole movie together. He's He
1: does really well in that, he's yeah.
0: He's Paul Charismatic. He? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. I think. I think that, oh, sorry.
1: I was just gonna say that might be why people are turned off by some of Shyamalan's films. They're so earnest, and Lady in the Water* is just so optimistic. It's it's. But it a little pleased with itself, but that there's there's the earnestness that kind of puts people off. I think
0: they are earnest, and they don't they don't like revel in the sickness or the gore. I think that's. That might be a reason that they don't always get away with it, is because, unlike, a saw film they're not about that violence or that, that's not the payoff. Mm -hmm. The payoffs are somewhere else. Um, The payoffs are the characters, I guess. Yeah. I think the lady in the water is kind of, is so reviled, isn't it? Um, Mm. It's really the one that, that they, that, that the haters use um, against him. But, and I think uh, Bryce Dallas Howard isn't as good, isn't that good in it. Or she doesn't have that much to do, really. She's just she's kind of just there. Um,
1: I think yeah, that plays into the way you're saying you yeah, they are stock characters. Mm-hmm. She's kind of representing a lot.
0: Yeah. And uh, it causes arrogant for him to play that character, but
1: yeah, it's it's the biggest cameo director's <laughs> cameo of, of Shyamalan has. It's, well, he's not a cameo; it's a character that
0: anyone's ever had, that any directors ever done, know. <laughs> Yes. It's the most egotistical, but I don't know.
1: I mean, that's part of his charm, isn't it?
0: It is part of the charm.
1: It's how how Shyamalan kind of keeps trying to... The way he sees himself is as part of the films and his image as anything.
0: Yeah. I never really think of him as, like, an asshole. Like, I'd think of David O. Russell as another, you know, quite... Similarly, sort of puts a lot of himself into his movies, mm-hmm. but I don't like him. I feel like I don't like the guy behind the camera. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to look for those details in his stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want, I don't want to see the autobiography there, but I do with Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after Lady in the Water, you're really in like difficult territory. Mm-hmm. That's I, I think that's where. That lost him like anyone but a diehard, <laughs> and then with the happening, he fully turns into a kind of laughing stock. Uh, you know, people said Ed Wood a lot about that movie, right? Yeah. Um, are you a fan of The Happening?
1: I I do quite like that movie. I think, um, I think it is misunderstood, and I I don't think it's in. I think there are some problems with it, but I don't think that. Is as bad as people say it is.
0: It's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad movie.
1: What's What's bad about it?
0: Um, the bees, the plants, um, Mark Wahlberg, um, all All of them. John Leguizamo, is bad. Um, the scene where they run away from uh, the wind. It's bad um, it's it's kind of it I think the, I feel like the only way to think it to look at it as good. I don't know if this is your take is to see it as a kind of fifties throwback b movie
1: I think that's the thing, so yeah, it's what shaman said. I like B genres treated as a genres he's trying to take these fifties tropes, this stylized acting the the paranoia of those kind of fifties cold war not cold war fifties movies um but it but
0: filmmaking's like moved on from that right like the way that we watch movies it's just too it's too jarring to see a film like that and it not be like outright pastiche Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um it's not like watching like the artist where you you know that that's thrown back to the 20s this kind of sold as a mega budget um blockbuster movie or at least a you know uh prestige genre movie um so it's way too jarring to watch that and there's not enough clues in the text um you know Mark Wahlberg doing a bad performance is kind of it's hard to know that that's self-aware you know
1: yeah I think so a couple of things I have to say about that one thing is that um Yes. Yeah, so he doesn't go for the the pastiche across the whole, not every choice is a pastiche choice. So the way he's filmed the, the trees and the plants is very naturalistic and the kind of colors are very realistic. So that kind of goes clashes against the kind of stylized acting and the plotting and how things develop, um, which kind yeah. of hurts both those qualities cause you can not really see them together. Um,
0: for those who don't know, this is a film about uh, plants that kill people.
1: Uh, but is it really about that? You know, the movie begins Whoa. and ends with a statement saying, "Maybe we can't really know what Mother Nature really wants from us, or what she's saying." Is he... it's, it's you can't understand it, which is also you know an idea in 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 religion. You can't can't understand it. It's too great. It's unknowable. Also, another thing that really frustrates me with criticism of the happening is that people mistake the bad acting as incompetence rather than intentional. Um, you know, I'm like Shyamalan's directed Oscar-nominated performances. It's not like he forgot to, how to help Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel get there. I think he was intentionally getting them to this, this strange thing that they end up doing.
0: But I think that's, that's the problem, is that like, his filmmaking doesn't complement that. So they just seem lost. Like, you know, if if the movie seemed more in... If the movie was more in control, they wouldn't seem as out of place. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing... Like you're saying, like, the very naturalistic filming of plants, um, the mad acting and just kind of incomprehensible dialogue. um, They don't... None of it actually comes together. It is like watching The Room. And people love the room. That's cool. Um, I enjoy the happening. Why are you in my lemon drink? It's it's <laughs> just, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You, you,
1: I mean, maybe that's what it. he's going for. If the film was about incomprehensible power, maybe the film's <laughs> just meant to be an incomprehensible experience. I it think... is strange. People, there's so much misdirection and pointing you in different angles. Like, it's very funny. Um, and and I think people don't always get on board with Shyamalan's sense of humor, um, but yeah, there's a there's a really great article that kind of explores uh, the happening as a misunderstood uh, piece of work um, that I am going to link to in the show notes, so you should check it out. So but then good.
0: how how can you ever have a bad movie then if you can if you can just kind of say that it's the intention of the director
1: mm-hmm. that
0: the, if you can't. You know, you're an anti-otterist. You are an anti tourist you can not give them that much credit every time.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe you're right.
0: Um, yeah, we've we've weirdly gone on the we've taken the opposite side to normal. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, I I watch it happening a thousand times before I watch um, the last Airbender again. Sure. Um, what's worse for you, The Last Airbender or After Earth?
1: Um, for me, it was After Earth. For me, that that, di- that didn't work for me with the performance choices. Um, it was just kind of alienating in how minimal that film was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like people talk about it enough in After Earth. They're like speaking with a very strange accent, and I guess that's part of the sci-fi world building, like this, this new accent.
0: I think that's just Jaden Smith.
1: No, because Will Smith is doing it as well. Is he? But I couldn't quite tell. It's 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 a strange movie. Um, and it
0: it weirdly tricks you into watching a Jaden Smith like lead performance, which isn't quite fair. <laughs> you know, like no one should have to do that. No one should have to watch Jaden Smith. But you you're like here we are. We're gonna watch a M Night Will Smith movie, and then Will Smith's barely in it.
1: Uh, no, he's in it quite a bit. They're both in it.
0: He's there, but it's definitely Jaden.
1: Um, I I found it to be a movie with two leads.
0: <laughs> okay, two great leads. Um, but that's that's his worst film. It's it's um, I don't know. There's there's nothing very personal in that in the mm-hmm. his. It's just bloated. He's stuck in front of a green screen a lot of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, he just seems completely lost by that point.
1: Yes, I think with this film and the last Airbender, I was, you know, starting to doubt the whole project and doubting. I'm not a big, the biggest fan of auteurism anyway, but I was like, why am I trying so hard to find things to connect <laughs> these movies to make these worthwhile? Or what? What's the story I'm trying to tell myself about M. Night Shyamalan? Why has he made these? Yeah, movies? Yeah, why?
0: Why are you trying to find this in M. Um, <laughs>
1: I don't know, I think I think that's the thing with those first few movies. You can feel the personality in them and you kind of want to believe that that personality and that passion is is the driving force.
0: Yeah. I, I think I feel it less in The Sixth Sense, though. Oh, yeah? Than in, I think it's the unbreakable through the happening cycle. Or maybe The Sixth Sense and The Happening are kind of bookends and it's the ones in the middle that are really the ones that are, like, knotty and full of his weirdness mm-hmm. um because like the si- i think the sixth sense is yeah there's there's obviously these themes of 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 faith and grief and family and uh, stuff in there that's very him but it's um it's like focused on the actual you know it's focused on de- delivering the the movie itself right mm-hmm. um where i think afterwards he he has so much clout in Hollywood that he just can just go off and and do autobiography. Excuse me. Are you no. talking
1: about the buried secret. Or I'm not talking it... about the
0: buried secret. But I've been waiting for you to bring this up. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell the listeners all about buried secret?
1: Uh, so the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan is a um, a documentary by the sci-fi channel about M. Night Shyamalan uh, in the run-up to The Visit um, and it was advertised as an unauthorised biography um, but then it was later revealed that M. Night Shyamalan was involved with the making of this documentary so the film itself becomes a very fascinating statement on what he wants people to think about him through the through the like filter of this is an unauthorised biography. It's not what people he wants to think about him. It's a really strange film. I haven't actually seen it, but I've heard about it. I've read about it. Um, there's a Cinephidiax episode where they talk about it. Um, so yeah, he's really into his own image.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um...
1: It kind of, it makes me think a lot of how Hitchcock was very into promoting himself as an image, as a star, because um, he had the Alfred Hitchcock Presents TV show, he often featured a lot in the advertising for his films. Um, yeah, and he was very, you know, very obviously constructing an image for himself.
0: Um, well, M. Night did this whole. thing. Wasn't he going to produce? Because um, he produced Devil. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember that that movie? That's like yep. there's the devil in the elevator, um, and that was supposed to be like part of uh, a series of like films that he was going to produce by other directors. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So and that's almost an Alfred Hitchcock presents kind of thing.
1: Um, yes. Yeah. I, th- well, I mean, yeah, he's got the name brand to to sell that. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and also the Camming in his movies thing is a very very Hitchcock thing.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I wish he didn't do it quite quite. I mean, I like it in Lady in the in, in Lady in the Water. You're like, okay, that's what the movie is about. <laughs> when he's showing up in Split, it's kind of well. No, in Split, it was nice to see him again, but. Okay, fine. I love, I love seeing him in the films. He's a really bad actor. I think he's uh, all right. He's, he's all right. Got a strange he's fine. presence. Um, a
1: draining presence.
0: No, just a strange. Just he's just strange to watch. In <laughs> his scene in Glass, is bonkers. Like, why is he there?
1: I I do quite like his cameos. Um, he's
0: there in Glass, as Ignati pointed out in that tweet. To. To explain the 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 plot hole that no one asked about why he plays a drug dealer in Unbreakable, and then a, and then a a, a um like is he a janitor or something in in Split?
1: He's the yeah he's the building yeah. manager super of. Uh, he's the
0: building manager. He's uh, the he's the geomatic <laughs> in Split.
1: Oh my god, ah uh, that that scene does feel like it's it belongs to something larger that the whole relationship between the psychiatrist dr fletcher and her building manager it feels like that's an un untapped thing
0: right and yes yeah. i'm saying it's a, I, it's a
1: spiritual I, sequel to lady in the water
0: <laughs> i th- i actually think that one of my issues with glass is that it doesn't it doesn't go far it doesn't really do the shamiverse. No, oh, yeah. like, can you imagine if they just started bringing in the Gnar waters or whatever they're called and like Ended up fighting in the village and all. You know, do you know like
1: yeah. that would have it's been something... the next level? Yeah.
0: If if Haley Joel Osment was in the the insane asylum with them,
1: that could be fun. Yeah, there's something about how they're all set in Philadelphia, all his films. Because uh it's yes, it's in great. Pennsylvania, that's Shyamalan's where he grew up. All his films are set there. But I kind of almost catch myself. I think they're all in the same universe, but it's just the the unbreakable trilogy that is, but I kind of want them all to be in the same universe.
0: I think they are. I think that's what's not being said (laughs) is that they are. Um, Yeah. I love that, that that it's set in Pennsylvania. um, Like, and makes, you know, it doesn't pretend to be New York. I, I I think it's one of the saddest things about like British movies is that they're either um, London or like Grim Farm in the North. Like, there's no, there, you know. There's no film set in Bristol or Liverpool, are there? Like, or
1: there's not many.
0: In, there's none. There's literally zero. You can't name one. I will not accept any emails saying pointing out <laughs> anything different. There have only <laughs> been films set in London or in farms in the north of England. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, And so it's great that he's like, this is me, because he's an autobiographical filmmaker. And um, split is his most personal project do you think um, no oh no we've skipped we skipped the visit and the visit is the, his most personal <laughs> project
1: the visit I mean we didn't really give a lot of chance to the to the last airbender
0: okay all right um, so so that I think part of that's um it was never gonna be like a world changer but it got in difficulty with the fact that it's based on the avatar tv show and james cameron's avatar came out and did it win a legal battle or something but it basically said it was like we're going to be called avatar and so the last ever lost a lot of their name recognition because mm-hmm. of that because i remember when the james cameron movie came out people were like oh sick they're doing the ang movie is he ang they're doing that yeah
1: that's the kid's name yeah the yeah character
0: they're doing that. And I was like, no, 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 this is something else. Yeah. But M. Night Shyamalan's doing it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that time, no one cared because we had blue navis, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's a strange one. It's one of those franchise non-starters. So it's it, it was at the perfect storm of things not quite aligning so it couldn't happen.
0: Was it even in 3D?
1: Uh, yes, it was meant. It was it was processed in three D, and apparently, I'm not sure about. Yeah, I read this thing saying that it was rushed into three D, and they had to cut out a lot of scenes so that the three D could be finished on time. Which is hopefully explains why the the pacing is quite strange and the voiceover
0: like right. just covers
1: so much exposition. Um, oh,
0: that's and, it's all voiceover, isn't it's it? It's a lot
1: of voiceover, and a lot of important things are said in the voiceover, but we're not shown it, and it's kind of it kind of doesn't really work.
0: Yeah, I think that's the saddest thing about it is for like, you know, for a guy that is so good at like establishing characters and like, you know, f- following their journeys. This one, I literally just don't even know what's going on a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy that can pull off batshit crazy twists. And you, you're at least still like, you know, you might be laughing, but you're still with it. You're still chucking popcorn at your face. Like, mm-hmm. you're not walking out. But The Last Ebender, it's just, it's not that, is it? It's not his film it doesn't feel
1: Mm. uh yeah I said earlier with the happening that um people mistake strange intentions as incompetence but with the last episode I was doubting how in control he was of the project because it doesn't if you, you can't turn a 22 episode television series into a film in this way they've just adapted it did it like plot point for plot point Oh, is that what it is? It it just, I haven't seen the cartoon, but the way things progress feels like this. It feels like a television show that's been squeezed rather than adapted and changed. Because the way that things happen are quite episodic and the travelling, it doesn't quite work. Um, But he did have a writing credit on this, so.
0: I don't think Deb Patel's having as much fun as you want, like, as, as he should be.
1: I think he's all right.
0: He's snarling. Mm hmm. But he's not quite, like, reaching red main in Jupiter Ascending, is he?
1: I mean, that's the thing, though, is because he's... I think he's meant to turn out to be a good guy. Okay. In the sequel. So you can't, like, outright hate him. You have to feel sorry for him.
0: See, this... But this is the kind of the. Um, the... That's what always happens with these kind of movies, right? these Mm -hmm. franchise non-starters is like it's building something that's never going to come so there's just nothing there Mm -hmm. Um, but The Visit's not much better, is it? The Visit is just The Visit's like a palate cleanser
1: Yes, it is talked about a lot in this way Um, it's, you know, after the big budget Last Airbender and After Earth he makes The Visit a very low budget found footage, Bloomhouse movie Um, Yeah
0: um and he's riding off of the kind of paranormal activity wave, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, where um found footage became like a thing again. What 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 do you reckon that's that kind of trend was about? Is that to do with like social media rise and stuff or
1: I don't know. I think it was just a new wave of viral horror. Um I mean yeah, I guess everyone was holding the camera, so to see that. That, that being represented on screen works
0: yeah um, I mean this one does some quite fun bits but it's just so mad I think the two performances of the, uh, the grandparents is like just bizarre um, and the twist where uh, <laughs> actually they're not your grandparents but they are two insane people is like one of his worst mm-hmm. if not his worst what did yes. you think
1: of it? I I didn't really enjoy the depiction of old people and mental illness in that movie, and that right. that was normally I don't always see these twists coming, or even if I do, I don't I don't know. This one was very. It was kind of yeah, it yeah. wasn't a great one. Um, and some of the humor and horror, like it's a PG thirteen horror film, and it feels like a horror film for kids.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Um, which is not a bad thing, you know. Kids should have have good horror films and stuff. But, I mean... I, I well, that's it. Yeah, I feel like... The most interesting thing I can think about is that it's maybe a comment on his own filmmaking. He's saying he wants to take back control of his filmmaking career after the big-budget movies that weren't very loved. And then he makes this... Which is about a female, a young filmmaker, the girl who's who's desperately trying to make some kind of documentary about her, some moving documentary about her family, but really, it's not what she thinks is happening.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, that's quite a good um, read of it.
1: What do you make of it?
0: I I've never like really looked at it as as beyond face value because I just didn't think it was very. Uh, skillful or um, I I, yeah I I didn't really like that this one Um, I yeah I guess the only thing is that I see it as this kind of Rosetta Stone of like it resets his filmmaking and like his films since feel a lot more muted in a way that I really like Um, but I find even the kind of even the style of The Visit is like overblown for a found footage movie Mm -hmm. Like, it's very go-for-broke. He doesn't go as far to, like, use drones or anything weird like that. But, like, it's still, like, you know, the camera's still kind of, like, running around um, and, like, flying around and stuff. Um, And, um, but I think it's, you know, there's a lot of found footage. Security cameras become the key to what's going on in glass. Um, And... Uh, we talked about that scene from Signs and the stuff in Unbreakable as well. So I think it's like, it's definitely been a concern of his. Mm -hmm. Um, I read a criticism by Richard Brody saying that he didn't like (coughs) that, excuse me, he didn't like that The End of Glass um, was about security footage in the internet because it was like, um, it was as if it was like admitting that like cinema was no longer like the most important thing, Um, which is like, classic fucking Brody thing to say but like um, I feel like it's that's always kind of been there with Shyamalan
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, embracing that people might be watching these films on DVD or like in a group on and kind of like yeah so I don't really like The Visit but I see why it exists mm-hmm. um, and it forged his relationship with Jason Blum as well so mm-hmm.
1: That's nice. I think, yeah, he's found yeah. found something that works for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, what? So what did you have any other thoughts about The Visit?
1: Um, not, not, not really. It doesn't, as you no. said, it doesn't really feel like a found footage film. Um, and I'm reluctant to say it's a, a lot of people say it's a return to form, which I don't really like. But, I, yeah, I guess it's, it's it's an important thing and to, to happen in his career.
0: Well, you don't like the phrase return to form? Yeah. Um, well, the return to form did happen. <laughs> and it happened in a big way with the next movie. Oh, yeah, what's that? Kaya Cinema's number seven of 2017, James McAvoy's greatest performance, uh... Brought the world to Anya Taylor-Joy. No, it didn't. The Witch did that.
1: Same year. Um, They both came out. Same Same year.
0: We're talking about... um, We're talking about Split. We're talking Split. We're splitting hairs. Um, Had you seen this film before preparing for this?
1: No, I saw it the day before I saw Glass.
0: Whoa. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you think of Split?
1: Um, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I definitely see it as kind of maybe part of this meta commentary that is in M. Light Shyamalan's films and that he's he's finally returning to the superhero genre that he started with Unbreakable uh, in 2000. And he's he's done that with a, with a stealth sequel, with a stealth super villain origin story, which I really love. I love that idea that that, that entry yeah. into a trilogy Three would be a horror film. I think it's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's I think it's the best movie he's made. Um I think uh he teams with the ah oh, Crime, I can't remember the DOP's name, um, but it's the guy that shot um It Follows.
1: Oh yeah, Mike um, uh Gyalakis.
0: Yes. Um and he did like John dies at the end as well so like i uh, Shyamalan always picks really well his his cinematographers like uh didn't christopher doyle shoot lady in the water um you know he can kind of just let them get on with it and kind of um focus on other stuff um anyway split is bonkers uh it's so like low key but then has the highest key maddest pantomime performance by McAvoy who like is playing really badly written characters but so fully commits to them that he just completely pulls it off like Hedwig the nine-year-old boy and Patricia shouldn't work they on the page I don't think they're very good but um he just makes it sing I could literally watch a whole movie that was just him alone in a room doing that How do you feel about the McAvoy performance?
1: I think it is pretty good. Um, I just, I have trouble with it because I feel like in Glass, he has, those performances turn into more exaggerated performances and I preferred it in in Split was it was a little more subtle. Um, um, Yeah.
0: Um, Oh, you, you think he's doing something different? I think it's... It just doesn't need the context in split. It it takes so much time to like, because it's all about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it asks why are these certain why he's behaving in certain ways that I don't think the sequel does.
1: Yeah, I I did find that people complained about the depiction of um, DID or dissociative disorder. Identity disorder in Split, but I think it is worse in Glass because it doesn't have time because we because it you know it assumes we know the rules of how it works that it doesn't need to explore that.
0: Um, sorry, I've just been looking at the uh, cinematographers right. for his movies. Uh, so, The Sixth Sense and Signs um, uh, were shot by um, Tak Fujimoto, who did like. Um, uh, a lot of um Jonathan Demme's films like something wild and uh, silence of the lambs mm-hmm. and the village is Roger Deakins uh-huh.
1: um,
0: which that kind of makes sense um yeah sidebar um i just think he pick, he picks really good cinematographers and doesn't make a massive deal of it and he doesn't he's not like sh- he's never showing off with his with his uh with his cinematography i don't think mhm um, but yeah, split. It's nuts. So did you? So you must have known the twist. I did coming. know
1: the twist. Yes. So that's the twist. Um, is it's actually a sequel to Unbreakable.
0: It's such a strange way of doing it as well. You know, we never get um, if there's a sequel to something. You, we are very much told with movies who is going to be in every film. Uh, you know what. Um, how it links into prior universes to kind of maximize the potential of um optics or whatever um but I think I think Split almost trusts like word of mouth Mm -hmm. it was it was kind of a word of mouth movie
1: yes um I wonder you know how much of that was because people didn't respect Shyamalan anymore they had to sneak in this connection because they didn't want to sell it on the on the love of Unbreakable, they sold it on, oh, it's a it's a new horror film.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think if you just heard like, he's doing a sequel to Unbreakable, which wasn't that much of a box office hit, and like, it's a, it's a cult favourite, but like, you know, it's not, no one's, no one's begging for the sequel, were they? mm mm-hmm. um, That would have seemed strange. I still think it's very strange that they put the two together, to be honest.
1: I, um, I, I mean, I do wonder that, if that's part of that meta-commentary, in that, oh, you thought this was over, oh, you thought this was happening, oh, no, it's actually a sequel in the little post-epilogue scene. We've got a little extra to connect it to something bigger.
0: Right. Um, I guess Split's just so contained. There's, like, four characters in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's part of it, just suddenly opening up... Um... Opening up and then in Glass, immediately closing it by definitively sort of ending the entire mythos, um, which is very strange. Answering questions that no one had asked. Um, the, uh, I think, we can, we can we talk about spoilers for Glass?
1: Okay, yes, this um, is the spoiler section of Glass. Uh, if you would like to avoid spoilers, I'd recommend skipping your heads in about 11 minutes. Yes, this um, is the spoiler section of Glass.
0: Spoilers uh, for Glass. The, so there's the Clover Club. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe I don't know enough about comic books to 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 go in on that. But yeah, it's someone who's trying to keep us down, man. They're suppressing the uh, the power of the normal man. The
0: power of the yeah. And keep things and then, in the status quo right um
1: maybe that's why i was getting x-men 2 vibes
0: yeah it could be yeah there's like a yes this A national
1: level conspiracy to hold us down hold us back for the good of the people But is it really for the good of the people i don't know
0: it's just so weird because it's not really there in like in the movie or in the previous film yes um and it's like, in the last half an hour, they, they do this misdirect in Glass where you're led to believe that there's going to be a huge showdown at this brand new Philadelphia Tower that it keeps cutting to, and it's on magazine covers, and there's news reports. Um, and I think, like, in quite a good way, it, like, doesn't do that, and it just keeps it all in the um, psychiatric hospital and in the, like, car park. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but then it's there's classic
1: Shyamalan this... sort of misdirection. It's great.
0: mm but then, like this thing that actually um the woman that was so skeptical and was using science to debunk uh you you couldn't have uh, you, you of course you opened the bars, uh I could open the bars with a crowbar, um they're old and rusty, yeah you you got shot, but those bullets rolled um like and then it then the twist is that actually she she knows that they're super but wants them to doubt themselves um because they're a club that has to yeah has to keep people in check uh what um what is it reaching for what like and then and then this whole thing with like the restaurant that's like what like a couple leave the restaurant then they're like okay they're gone and then they just start like talking about their darsity plans of whatever the secret organization is Mm -hmm. is this all just happening in philadelphia or is it worldwide I don't understand it. I love this movie. I don't understand any of what happened in it.
1: I mean, I think it's a comic book thing. It's kind of taking the idea of faith um, and self belief to it to a new level. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I am. I'm. I want. I'm about to say again, it's a comic book thing. But I think that is maybe where it's coming from, right? Or is that not? I don't know. Does that justify it um, having a, a a large conspiracy?
0: Well, I guess this is my thing of like, you know, like I've been saying, it's it's kind of like a throw, it's too throwback. You, you're talking about X Men Two, and it's just like these are all. Uh, I, I don't, know, I don't know what it's actually saying about comic books or or what. Why is there this original? Are there other original superhero stories that aren't based on a comic book?
1: Um, there aren't many. The one that comes to mind is Darkman, which is what the film that Sam Raimi made oh, when yeah. he couldn't. He wasn't allowed to get. He wasn't given the rights to a comic book movie, so he kind of invented his own superhero. Um,
0: Darkman, but like Super was Super based on something?
1: No, I think Super was also um, an original uh, film.
0: But yeah. Um it just seems very strange to have this kind of conversation about comic book characters and then tie it into this. He obviously has a way bigger mythology that he just doesn't want to give us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, killing all of those characters off at the end uh, and also releasing to the world <laughs> and we're going, we're going to go back to the train station Uh to really round off the trilogy. <laughs> I dunno. I don't know, man. It is. But I enjoyed the heck out of it. I think that you know the first half an hour is really like quite a tense kind of cat and mouse thing between them and that first showdown's really good. It does a great job of like building up the tension with Samuel L. Jackson. Is he is he just plotting and scheming, or is he uh Paralyzed, obviously, he's just plotting and scheming, but you're just still kind of waiting. Um, Sarah Paulson's always great. I, it's it's really fun, it's really like sensory how it plays with, like, you know, this theme of water that's definitely in a lot of the Shyamalan universe. Mm-hmm. Um, reaches a kind of end point here. Uh, water and like light and. I don't know all this other sort of touch, and they all it all sort of comes together, but then it's just that last half hour where there's so much going on, and weirdly nothing going on, and it's kind of dull, and you're kind of waiting for it to stop. <laughs> I don't know. How did you feel about it?
1: Um. I think immediately afterwards I was a little disappointed, I almost felt like I got tripped into seeing just another superhero extended universe movie. Um, I didn't like it as much Split, um, but the more and more I think about it, the more I find the ending quite touching. Um, and Which
0: part of the ending? So I
1: think it's quite bold to kill off your three protagonists, um, but to have them die you know, for a purpose, um, and the idea that it's kind of... It's about sharing self belief and faith in, mm-hmm. in something magic and extraordinary.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's maybe where it doesn't give enough um, to Anya Taylor Joy and Bruce Willis' son and Samuel Jackson' mum? Because it's, by the end, it's almost about how like three people can believe in a story, believe in like, you know, their past trauma leaving something good out of that yes which is something. which
1: is what's so great about the ending of split is that you know you're using your trauma to make yourself stronger um mm. yes
0: yeah but but it doesn't come you know that if that's the point it's making at the end of glass it's not really articulated is it
1: no it is kind of simplified in in glass the trauma aspect isn't so important i think maybe um yeah i don't know how how well things are balanced in that film uh, between the characters. It was kind of frustrating.
0: Something weird that I keep seeing is uh, a lot of people are like, oh, this is just a sequel to Split with a little sprinkling of Unbreakable or they're like, this is an Unbreakable sequel and I don't know why Split's here. And to me, that means that it was balanced between the two because no one's satisfied.
1: Cool, yeah, I guess.
0: Um, like, how did you feel about that? Like, mashing the two together? Because they're so different tonally, aren't they, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Like, how how did you feel?
1: I don't know. I guess I watched both those films recently. And then to watch Glass afterwards. I don't know. I guess I was a little frustrated. It was less, like, split, but wasn't too surprised. I was, um... Yeah, so I don't know how to answer that question.
0: Um, You know, like Unbreakable is like he has a massive budget following, or maybe not massive, but you know, a a bigger budget following Sixth Sense and is in the height of his kind of getting away with anything. Split is way more stripped back. Um, It has a really different, like, and distinctive uh, visual style and color palette um the unbreakable very muted very blue um split not it, it obviously brings them together here i like what it did with colours um but it's still it's cuz it's following on from split it's like the development of the split style not not the unbreakable style you know it doesn't harken back to that kind of filmmaking that he was doing okay so maybe that's why it's not... And it doesn't go to a third style that represents glass, say. Okay. You know? Yes.
1: Um, I think what you said earlier about fans of Unbreakable are going to be unhappy and fans of Split are always going to be unhappy. They're always going to be ha- unhappy with it. Um, and I would say it's it stars is quite similar to Unbreakable because it is doing this kind of comic book thing um, rather than a horror film restrained thing like Split. Um. But yes, if it was another thing altogether, that would have been kind of exciting. I do feel like it maybe came out a little bit too soon after Split. I should have been developed a little bit more. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's really like cap- tried to capitalise on it, hasn't he? Yeah.
1: Which is maybe what you had to do. I guess everyone was only going to get older. Yes. Um...
0: But where next?
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be the Clover Trilogy. I don't know.
0: just like three more movies of Sarah Paulson saying like the most ridiculous lines (laughs) there was something that she said about wanting to get inside James McAvoy's head oh was it I want to get inside your perspicacious mind (laughs) I was like what what Okay, I mean it made fifty mil so far. Mhm. So. Uh, not too bad. Not too shabs for what it is. It's got a hundred mil, worldwide already. Cool. That's that's looking that's looking pretty pretty hot to me. For for what it is for a January release. Mhm. Um, let's see how it does against okay, split. So split. It'll probably match Split, I should think. Split made worldwide 2.7.8. Okay.
1: I think it might... The critical response isn't as high as it was for Split, and it doesn't have the it's, hook it's not of this, the stealth sequel thing. Um, so I don't know if it will do as well. Um...
0: But I don't think this, the stealth sequel wasn't a hook last time. The hook was... James McAvoy is unbelievable in this film. Yeah.
1: But no, but people found out about this, this, the twist or the, the stealth sequel thing, like a couple of weeks after it came out. It was kind of like common knowledge, right?
0: It was common knowledge. Yeah, no, but like, but I don't think that's why anyone was showing up for it. Like, I think anyone that was like, anyone that would be showing up for an unbreakable sequel would be going to see Split anyway. Cause Shyamalan. I think they was really selling that movie hard on like, James McAvoy plays twenty three characters, uh, and it's violent. hmm
1: Um,
0: and the kind of clout aspects of like Hayley Lee Richardson and Andy Taylor joy um as kind of, you know, the Bloomhouse cool horror thing. Um
1: I mean they they were they were breakout stars after this movie. So I didn't they was people weren't sold on this movie because of them.
0: No, no, I know. But I'm, I'm saying that's kind of that's that's something no one's no one's no one's seen the movie for for that. we oh, okay. are seeing it for for McAvoy.
1: Yes, okay.
0: What was, was... Was Hayley Lee Richardson not already a person?
1: Barely, no.
0: Barely, but... I'm sure there was something.
1: I think The Age of 17 might have come out in 2016, but she was yeah, in a, quite, was quite a, in a small, supporting role.
0: role. I think she kind of jumped out. Um... Yeah, you're right. She but this kind of Edge of seventeen split Columbus Support the Girls is a strong strong um Yeah.
1: Yeah, he knows how to pick 'em. He's uh he's got a strong yeah. track record with actors and he does often collaborate with people more than once. Um Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wish Five Feet Apart was directed by Shyamalan. Um, That would be way better.
1: Yeah, I suppose... I do find the romance in The Happening to be quite tender. So maybe he can bring that deft deft hand to Five Feet Apart, maybe.
0: Yeah. I could see Cole Sprouse in a a Shyamalan, actually. But yeah, I mean, I think he's... He's always going to be on top. He's so wily. He just knows... He knows how to play the audience like a fiddle, and I think that extends to his film choices. Where he goes, you know, he's literally self-financing this, these movies, just doing whatever the fuck he wants because he's so loaded. He's never had to like, well, last Airbender aside, never taken a IP. Mhm. Like,
1: that's true. He's it's it's quite exciting his career of almost completely original things. Yeah.
0: Um, and the French love him.
1: So... They do. What was it? Was Lady in the Water also in the 2006 top 10 movies of the year for Coyote Cinema?
0: Yeah. That's like their number six. Mm-hmm. The Village is this, their number two movie of
1: 2004. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I guess to go back to the question, is he is he an artist or a hack? Is he worth it? There's definitely something there that a lot of people cling on to. Um.
0: Sorry, I just want to see their um, full list for two thousand four. Oh no, it's number it's number four. They also do have the brown bunny in this list, so um, you know, pinch of salt. <laughs> but. Um, they love Clint Eastwood as well. I just find that, like, so... Like, a a bad Clint Eastwood film will get in their top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, like, 2000, you've got um, Space Pigs. Space Cowboys. <laughs> What's Space Pigs?
1: I'm not sure. You think of Space Is Chimps? F-
0: oh, what? With my man Stanley Tucci? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so... Yeah, possibly.
0: Um... Okay. Oh, yeah, The Village is tied for number two, um, along with two films I've never... A Chinese and a Cambodian film, and then Tropical Maladies, number one. Tropical Maladies, like, one of the best films of the 21st century. Number two is The Village. Like, <laughs> brilliant.
1: It's a bold claim. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what people like about the Kai, right? They've got a personality that loves Shyamalan.
0: They do, but it's so, it's, it is that auteurist thing, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, they like Cronenberg as well. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they, they like, they got Spring Breakers in there. Are you excited for the beach bum? Um,
1: sure. I mean, I don't actually know Harmony in that well. I feel like I need to might need to revisit his film, starting with *Junior and Donkey Boy*, released in nineteen ninety nine. Maybe some <laughs> kind of kind of retrospective to get him ready for uh, *The Beach Bomb*, so I can really Boom. really know. Because I I think I've just seen *Spring Bakers so
0: wow. Yeah. I th- I would have thought you'd be like a Gummo per- fan. You seem like a Gummo person to me.
1: I actually I found a picture on Flickr and I thought it was really cool, so I put it on my MySpace, and then it turned out it was from Gummo. What was it? Uh, like, the boy, the bunny ears, like, sitting on the toilet. I thought it was just a cool photo, so I put it on my <laughs> MySpace, but turns out I was a phony. It's actually from a movie I'd never seen. Oh,
0: no. I was one that of those. Is, That's a crime.
1: I was a kid. That's... The photo was not probably, properly titled. It should have said, from Gummo.
0: Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, getting in their top ten, is just, Mwah, like...
1: Is that no, a chef's he's... kiss?
0: Yeah, a yeah, chef's kiss. Okay. Each one of these lists is a chef's kiss, though. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. Uh, so do you, would you like to deliver your closing thoughts on M. Knight?
1: Yeah. I mean, so if we're looking at the case of, of M. Knight, I think, you know, you said, is he an artist or a hack? Is he worth it? Is it worth getting into this? Um, I think we have argued that he definitely is. Uh, there is a lot there, and, you know, you can't have a, a, a real high, like the sixth sense or split, without also having the lows of the other ones, you know, you got to have both. you got to have both to appreciate them, truly. Um, the real the real thing I'd like to throw under the spotlight is the audience. I don't like this narrative around Shyamalan. Um, you know, these phrases like return to form, like uh, like saying he's lost it, or it's a fluke, or... And also, I think it's, it's dangerous to overhype them as well. So I'd uh, I'd like to submit that to the judge.
0: Can you? I, I I think I need you to elaborate on that a little bit. So what's what's the audience? To, is it the audience or the media or?
1: I think it's just the narrative around Shyamalan is is what I find find so frustrating. Um, I think they they overhype something like his early films, like The Sixth Sense. So they're only setting him up for a fall when he chooses to do strange things. Um.
0: I think it sucks that, you know, every time one of these Marvel films comes out, it's, oh, these are also cookie cutter. Um, They don't give enough freedom to directors to do superhero films. And then Shyamalan's done this, like, super distinctive, weird treatise on the superhero film. And it's just being like passed off as hack work which like you know we talked i've I got some there's there's obviously a lot of difficult stuff in Glass, but like it is an original it's an auteur driven superhero movie right and that's people forget about it when it's convenient to them
1: <laughs> yes exactly that is uh that's i'm gonna hijack that that's what i'm saying
0: um yeah,
1: I think yeah, it's the unnuanced discussion of Shyamalan that I find frustrating. You know, oh he only has twists. Oh he's not worthwhile. Oh he's his good films are flukes. You know, I think they need to they need to engage with him on 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 more. Well,
0: I do, I do think it needs to be tempered though. Like I think it's having this smaller budget that is making him work really well. I, I, I it sounds like he's aware of that as well, it, but if you give him too much he just gets bloated and and you're you're lost so maybe he needs maybe he always needs to be fighting
1: exactly that's the thing it's the narrative around him it's saying he's the next bug, that he's a genius um as well
0: so we all need to say that he's a shitbag (laughs) hack that's uh you know edward level for him to fight against that
1: Again, it's the lack of nuance in that, that discourse or that line of thinking that that bothers me.
0: Yeah. Well, you're all about nuance.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, I, I'll, I'll I'll take that into consideration. Artist or hack? Um. It's a fair question. It's a hacky question, but it's a fair question. Um,
1: it's a hacky question.
0: And I think you know we got you got to look at, um, at Alfred Hitchcock, who Shyamalan's been compared to for playing the audience like a fiddle. Um, another hacky thing to say. <laughs> um, but Hitchcock was considered a hack in, in his time. Um, he was considered a master of schlock and uh, only the French understood him. Uh, the friend you know, they they were the only ones that really studied his movies and and talked about them among the greats. Um, so when you're delivering this kind of like pop filmmaking, being a hack is kind of part of it, right? Yes. You've you've kind of got to know what people want and what they and what they don't want, and know how to like toy with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it always works with with Shyamalan. Clearly doesn't always work, but every film that he's made that isn't that that hasn't just been like a studio check, but every 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 movie of his except for *Last Airbender* and, and um, *After Earth* is like super interesting and like warrants multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. Like even ones that that aren't necessarily that good, you'll go back to and have like imprinted the culture in some way. Like even stuff like *The Village*. You know, The Happening obviously is like, got this reputation as a bad film, Mm -hmm. but everyone knows it. The Village is very known in the, you know, the kind of look of it and stuff. And Bryce Dallas Howard's always going to be associated with that, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So the answer is auteur and hack. Yes. The answer is hack genius, hack man.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, and long, long may he continue to infuriate us and entertain us and uh, do his thing. I think.
1: But what about the the unnuanced conversation around him?
0: Oh, so you, well. Can I sentence that?
1: Yeah, you can sentence concepts.
0: I can sentence what I like. I'm Judge Moody. <laughs> And it's going down like timber. Um, Yeah. 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 I think, I think, yeah, I completely agree with what you've said about, about the um, lack of nuance. So I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to put, I'm going to put the, the the Shyamalan discourse on probation uh, on, on like community service Mm -hmm. Uh, when you start to think about different ways to talk about him and his style and if we don't, uh, then it's gonna yeah. Then we'll have to review its um, its uh, freedom. Cool. But we don't want to not talk about Shyamalan at the same time.
1: No, it's just because the- if it
0: goes to jail, <laughs> if the discourse goes to jail, then we can't talk about Shyamalan. And I think talking about him is what makes him talk about himself. Uh-huh. And what we want to do is make him open up.
1: It's not so much that the discourse is going to jail, it's that the the lack of nuance is being punished in jail. Right. It's still there.
0: So you want to, like, give it some lashings or something? Yeah. Some lashings?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. 30 lashes. 30 lashings for the discourse and then we'll see how it is afterwards it's a harsh punishment of lashings lashings of custard yeah I like it cool Um, anyway court adjourned bang bang
1: cool Um, so that was the first episode in the 99 project Uh, if you think there's a particular 99 classic you want us to talk about um, let us know yeah yeah or, it doesn't
0: just have to be a Hollywood movie. Uh, I think we're going to try and stretch it yeah. a little bit more. Um, I'm really keen to look at the Claire Denis Beau Travail, uh, from that film. Mm-hmm. Maybe tie that in with uh, High Life when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: uh, what What does that year mean to you? And what do, like the films of that year mean to you? Because it's definitely, definitely shaped the way I see films and the way I think about films growing up. Those films, 99 mm. was a big year.
0: Yeah, so let's go back. <laughs> back to nineteen ninety
1: nine. I wish I could go back.
0: I wanna go back.
1: <laughs> um Yeah. So you can get in touch other the usual places like uh Judge Movie Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
0: It's judgemoviepodcast at gmail dot com.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Yeah. Any hate mail uh, will be deleted um, no it won't I'll, I'll read everything I don't know what I'm saying what I should be saying
1: um, so in our next few episodes uh, there'll be some some more festival visits which should be exciting um, yes where are you off to Ben?
0: uh I'm having a big old trip. I'm going to go to Rotterdam in uh, IFR, uh, IFFR festival in the Netherlands uh, where there's going to be some amazing art cinema and I'm going to see the new Claire Denis film uh, and some yeah it should be cool and there's lots of uh, lots of lots of 2018 movies that I've not seen yet like DMN Tino and Happy as Lazaro and Capanom that I'm going to catch up with. There's re releases of like restorations of uh, Stuff like Dishonoured, the um, the Joseph von Sternberg, Marlena Dietrich film. And there's a oh, silent Fritz Lang film that I'm going to see. So loads of stuff there that's going to be really exciting. And I'm going to report from that. Uh, and then you're going to be somewhere as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to be in Eastbourne for the Overnight Festival. Um, so this is a festival, um, sort of a movie marathon over the course of a weekend in a hotel where you watch all kinds of uh, curated movies. It's been going for a few years, and this one looks to be very exciting. It's my first year going, uh, but I'm very excited. It's that kind of movie, intense moviness. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that looks great. Uh,
1: We've got uh, Kelly Reichardt's film *Rivers of River of Grass*. Uh, We've got the Koreeda film *Still Walking*. Uh, *Sally Potter* *Orlando*. some strange-looking shorts, which look scary and exciting. You've got A Girl's Own Story, Jane Campion's film. Um, yeah, there's loads of exciting stuff, and I'm really excited for like this kind of movie boot camp. Uh, I feel like it'll be intense.
0: <laughs> That'll be good.
1: Yeah, so tune in, tune in for that in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks' time.
0: Coming soon. And then I'm going to be at Berlinale in Berlin, and uh, that seems pretty daunting because it's a massive festival. Um and there's a lot of films, and I don't really recognise many of them on the lineup. I'll be honest, except for Vice by Adam McKay, and I've already seen that, and it's shit. Yeah. So. To so take a plunge. Uh, gonna take a plunge, yeah, um, and please yeah. do take a plunge on the episode. It's gonna be uh, a voyage of discovery.
1: Yeah, tune in.
0: Yeah, and then we'll be back with another 1999 episode. Yeah. In March cool but um yeah until then call me mr judge movie <laughs> oh we should have a twist for the episode hang on what if i told you there was no judge movie <laughs> Ooh. Da, 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 da. nice nice How's that work? Yeah, I'm putting some like weird music in the background there.
1: Okay.